You were listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul, episode 76. Welcome to the show. Welcome back to From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. It is an honor and a pleasure, so appreciative to have you back for another episode. I failed to mention or even recognize that last week was episode 75, and that's just a really cool number. Uh, Generally, people celebrate 25 and 50 and 75 and 100, really large, and I totally bypassed that opportunity, but this is actually a really great run of three in a row, because 75 being important, like I just said, 76, uh, that to me is the year I was born, so it's a really cool episode to be doing today for you, and the next week will be episode 77, and my favorite number is seven, and I'm just absolutely obsessed with everything sevens, <laughs> and so it's really cool to have these three shows coming up, and I really think I've prepared some amazing content for you. We are mirroring what's happening over in the sober sessions, and that is the weekly coaching program that we're doing, me and Sue Mandel right now, and it's really great. We're going through some really awesome beta testing for that, just figuring out how we're going to organize the information and the content and the teaching and how we're going to take the Q&A, and we're definitely still figuring out the software as far as how to use the webinar and make sure that we don't have any issues with the emails. It's just such an awesome experience to learn all of this new stuff and put it together knowing in a few months it's going to be like second nature and we'll look back at all of this learning and uh, I will certainly have this very positive viewpoint of the hurdles and challenges that we've overcome over the last few weeks and getting this out knowing full well that down the road it will grow just like I knew that this podcast would grow. I'm coming up on 50,000 downloads soon And that's pretty remarkable considering what the numbers were like when I first started and I was just getting it all launched. And so if you're listening to me on Spotify, a special shout out to you because Spotify just seems to be a place where a lot of people are discovering me and checking me out. If you do have access to iTunes, I would love it if you'd go over there and just leave me a rating and a review because iTunes doesn't even know I exist half the time (laughs) and while I get a lot of listens there, they care about ratings and reviews. All these people with their ratings and reviews. How about lives touched and people guided and awesome positive feedback left on emails and in the Facebook Messenger and in the Instagram DMs? I digress. Uh, It is what it is. The algorithm would love it if you'd go over there and just uh, say hello. And so it's been really awesome putting all of this content together and taking it over into the the coaching sessions on Thursday night. So this episode is about impulse control. And again, if you're interested in coming over to the coaching sessions, which are still free and complimentary to everybody, you can go over to my Instagram at From Sobriety to Recovery, and you can go to my bio link and hit Sober Sessions Registration. Also, I have a Facebook group I started just for uh, From Sobriety to Recovery because of the Sober Sessions, and that's on Facebook. Make sure you're at the group and not the page, but if you do go to the page, there's links to the group. So either way, you can find it on social media. Let's talk about impulse control because it's something that we as addicts 
supremely lack. And it was my therapist who first turned me on to this idea that as addicts, we lack impulse control. And it wasn't just about drinking when she referenced this in me. Uh, for me, it was about my workaholicness, my um, my anger management. I have a bit of a temper at times, not 99% of the time, but boy, trigger me just the right way. And uh, I don't get physically angry. I get verbally angry. And I can just lash out and just say some pretty mean things so quickly. I barely know that the words have come out of my mouth. Um, I've also seen this with me at work when I go and talk to uh, the managers and they want to come in and change something. Uh, When they gave us face shields and said we had to start wearing those, you know, I acted super annoyed and popped off about it. And about an hour later, I realized it was awesome because I didn't have to wear my mask over my nose anymore because the face shield covered that area. And so I was able to start wearing the mask lower, which actually made my breathing easier. And all of a sudden, I was super happy about that. Then when a guest comes up, I can just pull the mask over the nose, no big deal. But when there's no one around, even though we're supposed to be wearing uh, all of our gear, when there's no one around, we're allowed to have the mask below our nose when there's nobody within our vicinity. And so the, but without the shield, that wouldn't have been possible. And so getting upset about the face shield, ultimately, an hour later, I was happy I had the face shield. That that's what impulse control does. It causes us to behave a certain way. And usually, almost always, and you know how I feel about definitives, I almost always never use definitives. Um, it tends to be generally that once we've had a chance to settle ourselves down, we realize that whatever got us angry wasn't even that big of a deal. Um, and certainly if we followed through on the anger, the eating, the drinking, the smoking, the sex, the gambling, whatever the vice might be, then here comes the guilt. And we're going to discuss some ways on how to overcome this lack of impulse control, these impulsivities that hit us. But first we're going to discuss why impulse control is so important. Because you have to understand your motivation for your impulsivity. Right now, when you think about where you are impulsive in your life and you have your own reasons and your own knowings, and I won't even begin to try to touch upon all of them, you know what triggers you. And you generally will know why it's triggered you. And so when you start thinking about the motivation, right, there's a, we've talked about this before, there's the toward motivation, which, you know, where, where you're going toward the positive, right, where you're pulling yourself toward the positive, or you're pushing yourself away from the negative. And so positives, when it comes to impulse control, will be that you will yourself know that you have control over these things, these people, these places, these things, these inanimate objects that have wielded power over you for so long. And when you can say that you have power over the vice, when you can say you have power over the way that person behaves around you, when you can say that you've got your power around that environment, it is such an exciting and exuberant feeling to know that you have stepped into that version of yourself, that the rewards are just, you know, on a spiritual side, like an energetic side, it is just uplifting. And so when you think of motivation and why you should just be moving towards this impulse control, it's because of the positive feedback that you'll be putting 
into your mind about your ability to control these things. You know, the away towards motivation would say, I want to control my impulse, con- my impulses because I don't want to be a drunk. I don't want to be fat. I don't want to be, uh, I don't want to have to deal with all the aftermath of me being angry, right? The positive says I control my impulses because then I feel in control. Then I feel healthier because I didn't eat the junk food. I feel better about myself because I didn't drink the alcohol. I didn't do the drugs, right? The positive motivation is when you see the positive aspects of why you want to have impulse control and the away is whenever you just focus on trying to stay away from the negatives that not having impulse control would be bring you. And we've discussed this in great detail in past episodes. Um, I don't have the Tortor Away episode off the top of my head, but I know it's there. So go find it in the archives. Knowing what energy you're using is extremely important. Now, impulse control in context, when you start to think about where it might happen, the location, the time, why you want to have impulse control is because it can usually happen this triggering in the worst places and at the worst times, right? It'll happen at family functions. It'll happen at work. It'll happen in public. Have you seen some of the people having meltdowns on social media about the masks? That's a lack of impulse control when it comes to anger. An emotionally mature person doesn't freak out on people. Knowing that there's cameras around is secondary, You should just not act that way in general. Integrity is doing what is right even when no one's watching. So if you have this impulse to just throw garbage on the ground at the beach because no one's around, but when people are around, you put it in the trash receptacle, you're not a good person. It's it's not good when you only do good when other other people are around. Your morals and your ethics and your values should be um, ecological, where you realize that it's not just good for you, but it's good for the tribe, it's good for others, it's good for the whole world in general. So when you think about impulse control in context of the time and the location, being able to uh, withstand any kind of triggering and get yourself under control so that you don't lose it at a birthday, a bar mitzvah, at a wedding. I know we all have a story about making a fool of ourselves at an office Christmas party, at a birthday party, at a wedding, at a at a guy's night out, at a bachelor party, at a at a bachelorette party, whatever it might be, we have that. That's impulse control in context, the location and the timing of it. You gotta understand that even just sitting at home and not having impulse control is not good for you. You know, I used to get drunk in my bedroom constantly. And I thought because no one was around to watch me act the fool, it was okay. It's not. Doing it in private isn't any better than doing it in public. But certainly when you do it in public and there's other people around to bear witness, now you have to deal with the aftermath that comes from how you've behaved in front of those people. And that's extremely important whenever you start having to deal with shame and guilt and grief after the fact. So now let's discuss what impulse control is. Easiest way, first and foremost, is just Google impulse control definition, and it comes up as the ability to control impulses or more specifically, control the desire to act upon them. It's an important factor in personality and socialization. 
right? Deferred gratification, also known as impulse control, is an example of this concerning impulses primarily relating to things that a person wants or desires. So think about the things that you generally want or desire as an addict. And again, this show could seriously should be listened to by everybody. This is not just an addiction show. It's just framed that way because I'm an addict and I gear this towards all of us in addiction recovery, but by no means are the people who aren't in addiction recovery and in sobriety um, somehow not being affected by this. I think emotional sobriety is one of the uh, most important things that this country needs to work on. Societies in general all around the world, their emotional intelligence and When it comes to impulse control, it it is that lack of emotional intelligence that tends to rear its ugly head most often. So now we have the definition of impulse control. Let's start looking at the overview, right? How this becomes something that can change our state, which is just our, our, a state is a uh, emotional a feeling emotional place that you will be at at any given moment. So when you're happy, you're in a you're in a happy state. When you're sad, you're in a sad state. Anger, you're in an angry state. And with impulse control, we tend to get triggered, and then start to deal with the repercussions after that. We get triggered because we're angry. We get triggered because we're happy. We get triggered because we're stressed. Triggered because of anxiety. There's any emotion can trigger the lack of impulse control. Think about whenever you were using how easily it was for anything to set you off. You could get an A on a test and want to go drink. An F on a test, want to go drink. Boss says you did a great job and gives you a bonus. You got a drink. Boss says you did a crappy job and suspends you. Got a drink. Kids are good that day. Let's drink. Kids are bad that day. Let's drink. Car drives great to work. Let's drink. Car breaks down from work. Let's drink. It didn't matter. We could justify in our heads any reason to use our vice of choice. So when you start to say, well, if I just quit drinking alcohol or quit using drugs or quit eating you know, poisonous foods, then I'll have no problem with these impulses anymore because I, now I just don't drink. Well, okay, that's a, a great theory But I don't drink either anymore. I haven't used drugs or alcohol in over three and a half years. And I still have impulse control issues. I can still get angry at times. I can still work too much. I can still get very short-tempered. I guess working too much isn't necessarily impulse control. Unless like something triggers me and gets me into an emotional state that causes me to drive harder towards work that day. Even whenever I know I probably should rest. So you're looking, so that may not have been the best kind of example. We're looking for something that triggers you into a, an emotional state that causes you to move forward uh, with a behavior that you have told yourself you no longer want to participate in, right? Uh, your wife tells you you left a fork in the sink. Now you get angry. You start yelling. She starts yelling. Next thing you know, plates are being thrown. The neighbors are being calling the police. And now you're at the local pub or you're in jail, <laughs> Um, right? Like the kid drops the backpack in the hallway and next thing you know, you're freaking out on them over a backpack. Like I get it. You've told them 35 times, but you got to find their motivation, right? For why they don't take the backpack into the room. 
They literally dropped the backpack at the front door and then walked to their room to change clothes to go outside and play. Like, what the hell? Right? Like, sit down and find out their motivation. Going back to the why impulse control is so important. When we're young, we're not taught to identify these impulses in ourselves. And so we don't mature knowing how to identify them. And then we become adults who don't know how to identify them. And then we become adults who have children. And since we weren't able to identify them, we don't know how to teach children how to identify them. It's this reason why we have literally shaped generation after generation, an entire country, an entire world, based upon a lack of emotional intelligence, a lack of impulse control, because most of us don't have it. And so when we get older and we have children, we don't know how to raise those children with it. So when they see us losing our mind at Walmart about wearing a mask, well, how do you think they're going to behave when they're told to wear a mask at school? They've seen you act this way, And you can tell them, hey, adults can do this, but children can't all you want. (laughs) But if you've ever, you know, dropped a profane word in front of a child and then 20 minutes later watching them walk around the house going, like they know they're not supposed to be saying it and they still do. Just like we as adults know we shouldn't be behaving this way, yet we still do. Right? So when you look at the state change, look at when you get triggered and why, what are ways that you can go around that? And we're going to discuss that here in a second with how. So when you think of trigger, it is an internal or external response to a stimuli, right? So when you, when you, you can have a negative thought and that could trigger negative um, feelings, which, you know, can trigger negative actions. And then it goes from internal to external. So when you're thinking, well, what's a trigger, Jesse? It literally is anything that sets you off on a path. You can have an internal thought, which causes an internal feeling, which turns into an external action, or even an internalized action where you just decide to lay on the couch, but it's still seen externally. Just like somebody can say something to you, put on your mask, and then your internalization of that becomes a negative thought, which becomes a negative feeling, and then that action is externalized, and you're having a meltdown at Walmart. So when you think of triggers, it's anything that is internal or external that starts a pre-programmed response to something, right? We all had triggers that led us to drinking every single day or using drugs every day. That's what a trigger is, right? And if you are justifying things enough to yourself, it will not be hard to figure out a reason to use. Like I said, good, bad, happy, sad, it did not matter. You could justify it to yourself. and So therefore, it was a trigger. So the trigger is the important thing of all of this, and we'll go through other definitions if I bring other words into this. The history of impulse control goes all the way back, all the way back to cavemen, where one cave dude walked up to another cave dude and took a stick out of the other cave dude's hand, and then that dude who just got the stick taken from him picked up a rock and bashed the other cave dude on the head. That is the very first recorded time in history where impulse control was an issue. First, one cave dude A took the stick. That was an impulse control issue. Cave dude B beat the other cave dude A up with a rock. I know. Can you believe it goes all the way back to cavemen? So 
I hope you enjoyed your History Channel lesson of the day. That was the very first time impulse control was ever an issue when it came to humans. I have no doubt amoeba all the way up to fish that crawled out of the ocean had the same issues. (laughs) But nobody put cave paintings on the wall to show us that. So let's discuss how we're going to have impulse control moving forward, okay? First, you need to know your triggers and plan for the risk of them being activated. If you're taking notes, this is a great place to do it because we're going to discuss the how to recognize, deal with, move through, and then come out on the other side, okay? So know your triggers and plan for the risk of having them being activated. And again, a trigger is an internal or external stimuli that that uh, fires off a pre-programmed response, right? So anytime you get triggered, it's like you start going into this unconscious, habituated program, right? We're really just like uh, sentient beings, but we're also a little bit like robots. We have this unconscious mind that habituates as many of our actions as possible so we don't have to burn up brain energy trying to figure out how to tie our shoes every day or in what order we should, you know, wash our face and brush our teeth and go to the bathroom and take a shower. Like we're in trance mode so much during our lives, we don't really know it. Even the people who think they're quote unquote awoke, awakened to the higher spirit and they feel like they're in touch with everything, they're still running on so many unconscious habits. It's insane. So when you know that you have a trigger, if it's you know, getting an A, getting an F, being late to work, being on time to work, whatever it might be, you know what your trigger is that causes you to get angry, to crave the booze, to crave the drugs, to crave the food, right? Whatever that might look like, you have to know what your trigger is and then have a plan for when it's activated, right? So so it's, it's easy to know that if you get scolded about taking out the garbage, that that triggers you to be angry, and being triggered to be angry causes you to want to lash out, and lashing out leads to you drinking booze because, hey, F you, you don't like me leaving the fork in the sink? How about you don't like it when I come home on a frickin' gallon of Jameson? How you like me now? Fork doesn't seem like such a big deal, huh? Right? Like, okay, <laughs> let's roll it back there, crazy town, and let's talk about this in a more rational way. So, Step one, know your triggers and plan for the risk of them being activated. Two, develop a plan to stay away from the triggers or, you know, right, to stay away from the, develop a plan to stay away from them when they are triggered and the time right after trigger. Okay, sorry, looking at my show notes and I thought I wrote that in a more coherent sentence. So you need to develop a plan to stay away from your vices that you run to to when you're triggered or the behaviors that you go toward whenever you're triggered, right? So if it's anger, if it's drinking, if it's booze, whatever the vice might be, whatever the negative emotional state, you need to develop a plan to either stay away from them or to move through them when they're triggered. And not just at the moment they're triggered, but there is that time right after they're triggered, that first 10 minutes when your whole mind, body, and spirit really is in chaos, 
right? Your eyes are bouncing around in your head and you're just like, oh my God, I need to need that booze. I need that booze. I got to do it. I got to do it. What, what am I going to do? I'm so angry. I'm so jealous. I'm so furious. I've got grief and I've got shame and I've got, what do I got to do? I got to numb, 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 numb. Let me go find the booze. Let me go find the drugs. Let me go find the, the, the Twinkies and the, the ding dongs and the bag of chips and the, the 45,000 gallon barrel drum of Coca-Cola. I can get in it and just swim around and ah, 2,000 grams of sugar. Ah, I feel great. Right? <laughs> me, Hulk, me want to use. <laughs> so, oh, goodness. I saw a really funny meme the other day. It was, uh, it was Hulk meditating. It was Hulk, no smash. Hulk, no smash. Hulk, maybe smash a little bit. <laughs> so uh, maybe that's what got me off on that. But right? Like, you know, when you get triggered, like you want to run towards whatever that is. And now that we're in addiction recovery, since we can't go to the numbing of the alcohol and drugs, we might have already started turning towards shopping or eating or anger or or jealousy or you know if you if you turn it healthy maybe you've turned it into being triggered and dropping down and doing 50 push-ups until you're through it or doing some jumping jacks or going out and running right like there are positive ways to deal with the trigger there are definitely negative ways tends that the negative ways are the ones that we programmed ourselves to go toward all right you know rather than moving toward the positive right we're moving toward the negatives which i know i'm blowing your mind by saying toward and negative in the same sentence, but you already know how to visualize this. You're moving toward perhaps the push-ups, perhaps the, the running, right? Or you're pushing yourself away from, while pushing yourself away from the negatives. It just happens, though, that this is a really good way of visualizing it to yourself is that something happens, you get triggered, and off in the distance, you see you know, negative emotions and negative actions over here on the left, and you see positive behaviors, positive emotions, and positive actions on the right. When you get triggered, I mean, right now, I'm squatting down in like this sprinter stance, and the moment that trigger goes, boom, there goes the gun, and it's like the Olympics, right? And you're Usain Bolt, or you know, you're Michael Phelps just swimming, you know, you're doing the 50-yard thing, so it's as fast as possible, right? Which direction are you going? Are you going left towards the negative behaviors, emotions, and actions, or right towards the positive behaviors, emotions, and, re- and actions? And this is what moves us into number three. Stop right now. Take a breath. Count. Do a meditation for a minute. You need to get grounded. You need to get centered. You have to move yourself into a state of thoughtfulness and self-awareness. And we have been talking about self-awareness for so long, that should be a term that you are more than familiar with. We know what awareness is, right? It's just knowing what is going on around us. It's not out of this world. It is no way some, something that you are not familiar with. Self-awareness is this conscious knowledge of yourself, whether it be your character, your feelings, your motives, your desires. So you need to step into conscious self-awareness. 
Like I said earlier, whenever the unconscious is running its habits, when it's just looping yourself constantly, you were in this trance, you don't remember how you got to work, you don't remember how you put on your shoes today, you don't remember how you walked your kid to school because you have habituated it. You have turned it into something where your brain doesn't even have to try, right? This is one of the reasons why I stayed as a, I stayed a, as a waiter. I almost tried to reword that sentence, but I had it right from the get-go. I stayed as a waiter for years because I could go in there no matter how high, no matter how drunk, no matter how hungover from being high and drunk, and I was on autopilot. I'm so good at that job that no matter how ate up my body felt, no matter how little sleep I was on, if I was on any sleep, I literally could take the order. I wouldn't even be paying attention to what the person was saying, yet my hand would just write it. I was so habituated to that job that the thought of changing that job for fear that I'd have to learn something all new, I wouldn't be as good at it so that somebody would notice that I was showing up not as my best version of myself. So I stayed in that job, no matter how much I didn't like it. Can you say that about yourself? Have you kept doing things for so long just because they were so easy to you? And honestly, the rest of your life was just such a pain in the ass and such a hassle. Why would you change your career if you're barely dragging your ass to work every day? Right now we're sober and we're in a recovery. It's time to start making changes and push ourselves towards the best version of ourselves. And this is one of the steps. Being able to stop, breathe, count, meditate, even 30 seconds, a minute, whatever it takes for you to get grounded and center yourself in this conscious self-awareness, right? These triggers are going to come. You're going to have to learn how to deal with that moment the gun goes off and that first 50 meters of the sprint. Maybe when the gun goes off, you don't even run. Forget running towards a positive let alone a negative, gun goes off and you're just like, all right, sweet, you guys all go ahead and run. I'm just going to drop down, cross my legs over, and I'm just going to start going om, 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 bop, 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 right? Like whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, you know what can work for you. And if you don't have something in place, I know you've heard to count to 10. And somebody's like, well, count to 10 slow. I don't care if you count to 10 fast, but you do it 35 times. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 6, 9, 10. 1, 2, 4, 7, 15. Hell, start rattling off prime numbers if that's what helps you. Right? Like, just be like 1, 3, 7, 11, 13, 17. Like, just whatever it takes. Get yourself immediately grounded and centered. I mean, you can Google all the different websites that you want. I certainly have. I've looked into my NLP. I've torn through some of my books. All of them, to a T, have some form of stop and calm yourself as the route to work through this impulse control triggering, okay? What most of them won't say is step four, and I and it's something we've discussed here in the past, play it to the credits, Right, A lot of them, will, they have different variations of whatever it is. I, I mean, I must have gone, like I said, through so much just to make sure I was happy with how I thought of this and to make sure I, I was bringing you the best material. Play it to the credits. You've got yourself calm. You've got yourself centered. Right, You're counting to 10. While you're doing that, you have images. You have pictures or you have a, a little movie playing in your head. When this is happening, this is your opportunity to decide 
what it is you want that movie, you, what you want those pictures to look like. You can either look, watch yourself going at bottles and uh, bottles of booze or plates of blow or a big bag of cookies or screaming at your kids or screaming at your loved ones or, you know, or slamming on the gas and cutting that person who just cut you off. Maybe they run into a telephone pole and they launch out and whatever chaos you're thinking of, now you're centered. Now you're grounded. Now I want you to play it out to the credits. Show yourself drinking the booze, doing the drugs, eating the the sugary sweets, swimming in the barrel of Coca Cola, um, you know, uh, cutting somebody off in a car and causing them to get an accident, screaming at your kids so that they they run in their bedroom and they cry and you're banging on the door, and, right? Like play it, like show yourself the entire thing. You don't just get to watch yourself partying and drinking and eating. You don't just get to show yourself screaming at your kids. I want you to play it past that. And we have talked about this before. Playing it to the credits is beautiful. I want you to see how crappy you feel after yelling at somebody in your house two hours later when they're still upset. And now you've got to go in and you've got to apologize. I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't act that way. Oh, man, I don't understand what's wrong with me. It's just, you know, you do this to me. No, nobody does anything to you. You choose how to respond to things. You choose your behaviors. You choose your actions. You chose that thought. You chose that feeling. You do not get to blame somebody else for your actions that are created from those feelings and thoughts and that lead to those results. Absolutely not. Even if your kid loses their mind over that backpack, even if your boss screams at you like a crazy person, even if you or whatever it is, I've tired of coming up with examples. You know what the, you know what's triggering you. You're the one who has the thoughts I should use, I should use. You're the feeling of anger of whatever it is and so you're fired up and you want to go take that action of using again. No. No one gets blamed for that. But you cuz you chose it. We are taking self-responsibility here. So you play it to the credits and you realize you're the one who has to deal with the aftermath. Now you've reset your clock to zero. Now you've eaten 14,000 calories of ice cream whenever you told yourself you were going to start watching your diet. Now you have to go apologize to everybody, and they, and they sit here and they'll say they forgive you, but they will never forget. And you keep doing that, and you find out how long it takes for them to decide to change their lives by taking you out of it. You have to play it to the credits. There is no other way. Because if you don't, you are just lying to yourself and it's like watching a rom-com movie at the beginning when they get together and everything's all hunky-dory and you stop it at like minute 45. You know full well what's coming. It's all going to blow up in their faces. They're going to separate. And then at the end, they'll run towards each other in an airport. They'll fly across the country to confess their love. They'll find the dog that reunites the family. Whatever it is, you just can't stop at 45 minutes. You know that there is a cliffhanger coming you know that there is some emotional turmoil getting ready to happen. You can't just stop it there and ignore the fact the emotional turmoil is coming. You get to play it to the end, and you get to see what the repercussions for your actions are. And if you still think that that's okay, then there's a lot more work we need to start talking about. So play it to the credits. Number five, seek Social circle backup. 
We all know this is important. This is one of the first things that we're taught when we step into meetings. Get a list of people that you're going to call when you're thinking of using. Get a list of people you're going to call when you're triggered. Get a list of people you're going to call when you're sitting at the bar with a booze in your hand or a bag of chips in your hand or, or, or drugs in your hand. Whatever the vice might be, you have a list for when you're sitting there, literally it's right at your lips. Have a list of people you call when you relapse. Have a list of people you call whenever you need cheerleading. We all know how important it is to have a social circle. Why do you think meetings and groups and therapy and coaches and podcasts and blogs and Instagram and social media are so important to what we're doing here? So get a social circle back up. And this is the key, right? Because when you invite this person in and say, I want to get my anger under control. So whenever you see me triggered and my impulse control starts to lack and you see me getting ready to lash out, let's discuss a sentence or two that you can say to me that brings me back to centered, that snaps me out of the loop, right? We're looking for a pattern interrupt. We're looking for something that snaps me out of wanting to use, that snaps me out of wanting to get angry, that snaps me out of wanting to eat, drink, sex, gamble, whatever the vice might be. Something that triggers you to say, hey, stop. Think about what is happening here. Now, the key of this is you need to discuss what that sentence, what that phrase is going to be with your accountability buddy. Because if you just say, hey, if you see me going off the edge, I just say something like, dude, don't go off the edge, right? What If you just let them decide all willy-nilly, they might very well say something that triggers you 10 times worse than what had triggered you to behave in a way that they said they had to step in, Right? This is what I think super duper important is even if it's just like la cucaracha, la cucaracha, I like rhinoceroses too. Like even if it's just something ridiculous, you know, stop in the name of love, relax, don't do it when you want to go to it, whatever it is, right? I think make it, make it be funny. I think, it, you know, make it be something that you're like, what? What did you? Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Right. All right. Let me breathe. Let me calm. But discuss what you want that phrase to be so that when they say it to you, your mind already knows that you've agreed to have that person say that to you in order for them to snap you back into a state of self-awareness and consciousness. If you just say, dude, say whatever you want to me, they well, it could be they very, very well could be like, hey, dipshit, stop acting like an a-hole. And you'd be like, what? Next thing you know, you're flipping desk and you're whacking upside the face of the keyboard, right? So discuss what that key phrase, discuss what that, that trigger word's going to be. Discuss, like, right? Like a safety word? You don't just go into some, you know, whatevs. And without a safety word, have a safety word. Have a, have a safety phrase. Uh, something that you know you've already agreed to hear in order to bring you back to self-awareness. This is huge. I highly recommend you write that part down because if you're going to ask somebody to help pull you out of the muck and mire and of the spin spiral loop that you're in and you just let them decide whatever they're going to say, it could have adverse effects if whatever they say to you, you internalize as a judgment or a shaming or as trying to make you feel guilty or whatever negative emotion you might come across, right? You need to decide with them 
what that's going to be. You basically just need to tell them. When I start acting like a crazy person and I start snapping on people, I just need you to look over and be like, rhinoceros, rhinoceros, elephant, and llamas too. Like, whatever it is. Just be there and have that conversation with them. Because if you're going to be vulnerable enough to ask them to step in and help get you off that loop and be a part of the pattern interrupt to get you from losing your impulse control, you need to determine what it is you want them to say. If not, it could trigger you the other way. Number six, discipline. Stick with it. Realize that nothing worth achieving happens overnight. You are literally trying to break habits that you have instilled in yourself for year after year after year after year. And if you have gotten yourself from sobriety already to addiction recovery, then what you're, na- what you're naturally going to find is that your impulse control will begin to shift into other areas. You have to constantly be on the lookout for other areas you get triggered, be knowledgeable, be okay, be gentle, be loving with yourself, and realize that it's not going to happen overnight. Be disciplined so that if you do snap and lose it, that you can rein it in and then say, okay, well, this is what happened. This is what I thought and did. This is what my behavior was all the way to the end. What could I have done? What could I have done differently? What could I have shifted so that next time I don't have the same result? So many of us are beyond the relapse at this point. Where we're, just, we're, we're, we're comfortable in our sobriety that we think everything is going to be smooth sailing. And again, I have just as many listeners who are not there. So regardless of where I find you at, whether you're still white-knuckling it in sobriety or you're moving into addiction recovery, none of us are immune to this impulse control, to these issues. And at any point, we can be triggered. So you just have to be mindful of it and realize that, you're, that even if you get it under control with your anger, it can still show up in your eating habits, in your buying habits, in your, in your dating habits. It can show up anywhere. It is, it is this fluid dance that you are doing with your internal mind to just rein it all in. Like I said before, no matter how self-aware and, you know, omnipresent anybody might think they are, there's issues swirling around in there. So be patient with yourself and understand this is going to take discipline. This is going to take tenacity and kindness to yourself. And that's number seven. We're going to get you out of here on this. Tenacity is just the act of showing up every day as the best version of yourself, committed to making these changes, committed to making yourself and your life better. Commitment, commitment, commitment towards your highest self, towards your meant to be in life, while mixing in a generous amount of kindness and gentleness and love towards yourself. Have conversations with those who have been affected by your lack of impulse control. Have a conversation with yourself about the new you that is coming, that you have already decided is there. See, making the decision to change, boom. You say, I'm not doing this anymore. Like many of us, we said, I am not drinking anymore. I'm not using drugs anymore. We stepped right into it, and we did it. We stopped. But it's after making the decision that the true change work occurs. Because that's where the day-to-day discipline comes in. That's where the tenacity, that's where the flexibility, right? That's where taking action, that's where all of that day-to-day grind, that day-to-day work, that's where that stuff comes from. That's where you need to be focused and centered, is realize that this is a day-to-day dance and that you're working your way through it and you're learning. And if you 
skip up one day, if you trip up one day, be kind, be loving, be gentle to yourself. Because the worst thing you can do is start to beat yourself up, which could very well trigger you right back into the impulse control that you're upset with yourself about to begin with. Welcome to the internal loop inside of our heads. All right, guys, that's impulse control. Show up Thursday night. We are going to dive even deeper into this. We're going to start to field questions. That is the best part about the coaching is you can literally listen to what I'm talking about here and you can bring questions that you have about your life, about your sobriety and recovery, and you can bring them to not just me, but you get Sue Mandel with over 30 years of sobriety and recovery under her belt. Two very different experiences in sobriety and recovery, two very different viewpoints on life, both with the same outcome of helping everyone out there with their sobriety, with their recovery, with their emotional sobriety, their emotional intelligence, with your physical development, with your spiritual growth, with your mental acuity, whatever you are ready to focus on, we are ready to help you attain your goals. Please come check us out Thursday night, 6 Pacific. 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 Eastern. You can find links to it on our Facebook group, Facebook page, or the Instagram account, all at From Sobriety to Recovery. Thank you so much for being here today. I didn't think this was going to get to 44 minutes. But man, I think this is so important. I did not want to shortcut you anything that would help you along the way. I really look forward to seeing you on Thursday night. Thank you everyone who's already been there. Come, show up, be a part, be an active member in this community. It is your chance for me to hear directly from your voice what it is you would like to know. I cannot wait to answer your questions. I cannot wait to see you there. Thank you again. Inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow. See you next week. Much love. Bye-bye.